to the ether today's tuesday january 11th 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by luart luart is the first gamified nft platform built on the terra network luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience all while earning you rewards just for being a user be sure to follow them on twitter and join the community and discord for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new nft launches platform upgrades and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have the Secret Spaces Space Cross-Chain NFTs featuring Runaway Investor, the MetaRats co-founder, and Galactic Punks. Karma, what's up? All right, let's take a listen. To say that. All right, well, let's go to the let's go to the monkeys. So, let's start with Primitive and then Willbrow. Hey, everyone. So happy to be here. Primitive Money. Uh, we are on the Solana blockchain and part of the SMB, Solana Monkey Business, and representing the Monkey DAO, which is the first DAO that was put together on the Solana blockchain for an NFT project. And then the SMB project itself was the first mint on the Solana blockchain, or the first main mint on the Solana blockchain before candy machine before easy minting people back then were just sending solana to a wallet and waiting i think wilborough was a part of this waiting anxiously to see if they'd even get an nft back so we've come an incredibly long way since then from the introduction of candy machine with the degen ape mint which really kicked off in my view the huge ecosystem that we started to develop and it's been you know as uh <laughs> Galactic Punk said, it's been a short five, six months, but it feels like five or six years with the amount of things that we've accomplished, the communities that we've built and the engagement that we've had. So excited to talk about cross-chain collaboration because I think it's a huge piece of moving forward as we all work together. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, firstly, sorry, Mike, sorry, everyone, if there's a little bit of background noise, I am jumping around, but I've done my best to make it good. So hopefully there's not too many problems. But my name is Will Bro. I'm also uh, in, I'm a board member of the Monkey DAO. I'm an inaugural member, um, kind of jumping on what Primitive said. The SMB project, the Solana Monkey Business Project, was one of the first on-chain mints for Solana. The DAO itself actually grew organically from community. So we're one of the few DAOs that have no official connections with the project devs. We have very positive open relationships. In fact, we actually just got allocated a pretty sizable portion of the community wallet. But the DAO itself, not only does it aim to be a true decentralized organic DAO, that really was its catalyst in origin as well. So we created a board structure about three months ago. The first quarter just ended. There were originally 16 of us, um, two 
members split across eight different project teams. We refined that a little bit this quarter, and now we just have 16 board members who participate across various committees and projects. Um, Primitive and I were kind of focused and integral to us starting a validator and a staking pool on Solana, which I'm sure is something we can get into if people are interested in. I know we created an initiative with the Galactic Punks as far as cross-chain works considered to stake on one another validator. So there's a lot of fun to be had there. So yeah, I'm just very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Really awesome to hear about all of this potential for, because again, the cross-chain collaboration really does start at the at the human level, at the community level. So it's really great to hear. Let's go Let's go to James next from the Near ecosystem and beyond. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. And thank you, Tor, for making it happen. Also want to say thanks to all the secret agents out there. And I'll briefly just introduce myself. I don't have affiliations with any specific NFT projects. I work as a community manager for Near Foundation. And I really focus on the interoperability aspect and governance, especially multi-chain governance. So that might be where overlap uh, exists for this conversation, but I've always been a big proponent of NFTs, helped organize rare art festivals in the past, and I'm really excited to see all the growth in 2021 and can't wait to experience 2022 together with with all of you and um, looking forward to this discussion really cool projects out there and i'm very bullish on all chains uh, so love the multi-chain cross-chain context you you hear it here first all chains bullish uh last but not least for our invited guests meta rats a quick introduction of yourself okay so first of all i'd like to thank uh tor for inviting me to speak here uh, so what is MetaRouts, right? So MetaRouts is, it has a total of 3,333 rats that are essentially living in the sewers of secret. Recently, we've had, um, many of you have noticed that we've had a huge community outreach and we have lots of support from the last three weeks. We've had um, co-founders, we had the co- one of the co-founders of Cosmos, uh, the CEO of Akash, we had uh, the co-founder of Juno, uh, the hosts of Interchain and FM and Osmosis all tweeting about us. So essentially, like, what's going on here, right? A lot of people want to know. So we're an NFT project that's launching on Secret. We're trying to leverage Secret's growth potential to have a more deep outreach. But at the same time, uh, we're trying to build this really strong community, which we've built. The project has not yet launched, but we want to also utilize uh, secret in a way where we're using the private metadata in order to create um, this unique gamified treasure chest hunt in which we will be talking about more later. So I, I just want to say thank you, Tor, for having me on here. And uh, let's get going with the rest of the questions here. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, everybody here is up here, not just because they're building something really cool in their own ecosystem, but because they are all, I know, passionate about this kind of cross-chain collaboration at the community and also at the technical level. So I think it should be a really good discussion. Uh, as James was alluding to, the, the future is definitely multi-chain. Uh, we don't believe that any single blockchain is going to end up serving every conceivable possible need. The positioning for Secret is around being a privacy hub, a data privacy hub for every blockchain out in the universe. Uh, we're, we're starting, of course, with interoperability within the cosmos, but we have bridges to Ethereum, to Monero to BSC, and we're, we're looking to expand these bridges, especially within the NFT space, uh, because we've seen NFTs thriving uh, in pretty much every other ecosystem as well. 
so that includes our guests here from Solana, Terra, Near, etc., but also obviously from Ethereum and Polygon and all these other, like there's just demand for NFTs, period. It seems to be somewhat chain agnostic, but there's something very powerful about this idea of digital ownership, uh, of being able to truly identify with something online, the communities that are built around these things, the experiences that are being generated that are also permissionless. All of that is super exciting. Uh, but let's let's start a little bit by talking about these different universes and i'll ask each guest maybe we'll start in a different order to talk about what do you think makes nfts on your chain or right now your nft community even if it's beyond the technology what makes your chain in your mind particularly unique uh so we'll start this time let's start let's start with james to talk about the near ecosystem like what makes the near nft ecosystem somewhat unique and then we're going to move after we talk about this stuff to talking about like, so how can all of these unique ecosystems interoperate both at the community and at the tech level? In a single word, I'd say connectivity is a differentiator. Of course, you might know Near is a sharded blockchain and we say it's a simple, scalable and secure blockchain for the next generation of these platforms. And I think what makes our NFT communities unique like I said, it's really connected and we have guilds, which are basically communities focused on developing opportunities for NFT projects and other kinds of creative projects. And we even have creative DAOs, which are powering the NFT ecosystem of Near in many ways. I think you know, we, we've got a lot of opportunities for interoperability, but we're just scratching the surface and you know, building our own ecosystems of nfts across the board so we have a lot happening and it's hard to keep up with every new project but um it's it's really cool to see all of the connections happening it's it's a you know group effort really and and i think that's what sets us apart amazing how, how about monkey guys what's what's your take on the on the soul ecosystem um, well, one, I think it's a really fantastic question. Thanks. Um, I think on Solana, especially, you're seeing kind of a twofold thing happen right now that's really fascinating. One is obviously like a lot of layer one competitors. There's a focus on improvements over the bottlenecks of Ethereum. So things like transaction speed, transaction costs, those are all very optimized on Solana. So I think you're starting to see a lot of NFT use cases that are trying to utilize way that is prohibitive on more costly blockchains, which I think is really fascinating. And then you also have a situation going where Solana is somewhat unique in that it does, you know, it doesn't run on Solidity. It's not EVM compatible. Um, smart contract coding is done in Rust. So it's kind of attracted a very unique, fairly devout form of developer community that are producing a lot of different use cases. Currently, we're seeing a wave of sort of speculative gambling uh nfts that really make use of that high transaction speed um we personally are more of a utility governance focused dao um I, that was just kind of the organic creation of us and then yeah there are similarly almost like alliances forming there are uh, subsidy DAOs now where projects have actually uh acquired both kind of organically consumed but also through like financial and business transactions actually done like mergers and acquisitions with one another. So it's a pretty full-featured uh, ecosystem at this point. I think even narrowing it down to like what people traditionally think of NFTs, it's largely these NFTs being used as 
you know, non-fungible proof of ownership to these communities or access to tool sets and things like that. It's really, it's really fascinating. Primitive can even speak on one of the tool sets that I know he and I share together that are gate kept by NFTs. Yeah, I, I think what Wilbur said is one of the most interesting things we're seeing in the Solana chain is due to its high frequency transactions is having utilities built into NFTs. And so Solana's done such an amazing job of gathering these very strong communities, starting to harness network effects of communities, and then taking it to another layer of how do we put utility into NFTs. So, you know, there's Genesis Go, which has been hugely successful in basically creating uh, storage on chain, much like you would see with AWS Cloud, but done on chain with Solana that eventually will be able to be utilized as a storage system for additional chains outside of Solana. You know, another project Will Brown and I uh, have gotten pretty into is Monkey Baby Business that is utilizing a huge set of tools from on-chain minting to data analytics uh, into future um, secondary sniping tools that creates effectively a Bloomberg terminal for NFTs. So, you know, when you look at investing, you want to actively engage in the project you're investing in, in, in traditional finance. If you buy something, how do you engage in that project? Well, what NFTs have been able to do is take a company, take utility, and then through an NFT community, you can be an active participant in how that moves forward and how that gets built out. So it's just been incredibly exciting. The level of innovation happening on the chain is mind blowing, really. That's super cool. Uh, for people who are not as familiar with all these ecosystems that are speaking up here, uh, everything on here is in Rust, right? Near, near and Secret and Solana and Terra are all Rust-based development. And if you're still building for you know, an EVM and Solidity only universe, you should definitely consider exploring Rust and exploring these other chains because it does really feel like the future. Um, but it is a multi-chain universe. Uh, I, everything is going to continue to coexist. Karma, uh, what do you think makes Terra a particularly interesting ecosystem and chain for NFT development, even though all the chains here are nascent? Like what, what has Terra already established and how is Galactic Punks bringing that vision forward? Yeah, that is a brilliant question. Well, you know, it's always a bit dangerous to speak on behalf of the entire ecosystem. But if I was to boil it down to my own observations, I think Terra is an incredibly DeFi or as we call it, TeFi concentrated space with users striving to obtain optimized return and yield and high capital efficiencies of utmost priority. And in this ecosystem, I think NFTs have quickly been adopted as an innovative tool for community building, but also as a tool to bootstrap funding. And I want to give a shout out here to a project called Levana, which is going to be a leverage protocol. But they have released indeed evolving NFTs where people even before the release of the actual protocol can engage in some gamification in hopes of this NFTs eventually boosting some of the um, some of the um, infrastructure within the protocol. But at the same time, and this is important to me, Terra is known for its incredibly closely knit community. And the approach to NFTs has reflected this. Many projects are self-referential or full of traits that celebrate other participants within the Terra space. For example, many of the punk suits represent various Terra protocols and partnerships are 
incredibly abundant, with some protocols interested in giving additional perks to holders of punks with particular traits, for example. Um, another project, Lunables, has indeed a secret network hoodie trait too. Um, and I think that is the most important part for us at Galactic Punks and why the project has been so incredibly successful, because it mirrors um, this initial approach to NFTs by Terra community. We believe NFT communities can deliver value to the entire ecosystem they choose as their home, uh, provide, providing framework basically for people to engage. Um, and we can become a true talent powerhouse this way. So, you know, delivering value to the entire ecosystem via incentive like the first NFT hackathon that Secret Network has also participated in. Um, our own validator, private round investments of DAO treasury of airdrop of token to holders. Initiatives like this that combine this vast interest in the financial and TFI side of things with community building, allowing people who aren't full-time crypto to participate in the space in a slightly more intense way than, you know, just, just participating maybe on Twitter and in private groups. And I really, really love the direction that this is taking. And I think it reflects um, the very, very cross-chain nature of USD and, uh, you know, the decentralized money that Terra is built upon. That's a great perspective. And then I guess also extending the question of the MetaRats team, what what has made building in the cosmos and on secrets specifically so interesting for you? Like what drew you to this ecosystem? Okay. Um, so that's a good question. So if, uh, if people don't know who's actually speaking, it's at runaway investor. I am the co-founder of MetaRats. I've been involved in the cosmos ecosystem for nearly over a year. And what really caught my eyes, I remember I was browsing through Twitter one day. It was sometime in October. And I remember I saw Anon's NFT launching on Secret. But what really drew me to the Secret Network is the use case of private uh, metadata. So I should probably explain why we chose Secret Network and what really drew us here. So we essentially chose Secret Network over other chains as as it was a private as private metadata opens up lots of use cases for the collections down the road. So... When we talk about secret network, it really, oh, did I, did I just cut off? You didn't keep going, brother. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. So when, when we talk about secret network, right, we could talk about a couple of things here. We could talk about the private metadata. So there's always this argument where, you know, somebody on Twitter is like, I'm going to right click, save your NFT, but it's a little different here because Secret network basically enables this private data with some form of utility, whether it could be licensed keys for tools or games. We could talk about private ownership. So when we talk about secret network, we could say that people are able to trade and sell NFTs privately. There's essentially this idea of also sealed bid auctions. Uh, essentially, collectors' wallet is confidential. Their balance cannot be used against them in a bidding war. Um, there's financial privacy for collectors and artists, right? All this stuff drew meta rats to... Um, you know, as, as we kept reading more about secret, we thought this was interesting, right? So we could also talk about access control. When we talk about access control, there's a public image can be a thumbnail or watermarked. Only the owner can be, only the owner can see the protected version. And this can also be useful for like applications such as music and games. And um, an idea that really caught our eyes is like when we were thinking about games, right? So we want to utilize this private metadata that I mentioned in the beginning so we could create this idea of loot box slash card packs. So this is really what drew us to Secret Network because it was 
it allowed us to enable this gamify theory. It if if MetaRats, this is what essentially we're thinking about doing here. So if we were to create um or if every NFT purchased had a specific keyword or phrase. So for example, let's say it used the keyword uh somebody brought an NFT off us, they minted it because we haven't yet um we haven't yet launched. If somebody bought a MetaRats NFT, it would contain a keyword or phrase. And that keyword or phrase can be used to unlock a treasure chest that would essentially contain prizes or um, perhaps maybe some rare uh, NFTs that the MetaRats Vault kept. And this treasure chest would essentially uh, contain an X amount of keywords required. And the only way to get those is if you purchase more NFTs. And this could be really interesting because people could collaborate together. But at the same time, it's it, people can really like play around with this like do they want to keep their keyword a secret how do they want to work it could they collaborate with other people but at the same time this is also important to me because i've been involved in the cosmos ecosystem for a very long time and this is a fun way to also bring awareness to the entire cosmos ecosystem perhaps for these keywords uh we could use words from the cosmos ecosystem such as um, you know, we've 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 had the support of a lot of uh, Cosmos projects, right? So perhaps we can use Osmosis, right? Uh, we've been Osmosis has mentioned us uh, a fair amount of times, so perhaps we could use words like Osmos or Comdex or other projects like this to also bring awareness at the same time by utilizing secrets um, private metadata. Uh, also, what another thing that uh, we also liked about Secret is it can basically have private galleries. It, you know, we can use, uh, we can display samples or sneak peeks of protected content without re revealing the full content to anyone but the customer. Uh, this could be really interesting down the line, like especially when we talk about the adult industry, right? So OnlyFans, um, this could be something interesting, especially when we talk about OnlyFans, right? So um, obviously you you should be able to protect, uh, you know, if, if somebody was, if, if, um, if an adult star wanted to protect their content, you know, they could potentially issue these NFTs. Uh, real life use cases, we could also have, for example, identification cards, events, concerts, movies, or like, for example, plane tickets all on Secret. So all these things really drove the team. We looked at Secret Network and we said, this is extremely interesting. This is, um, this is something that we haven't really seen before. I, I have a strong background in the Cosmos ecosystem. It was also something that we could leverage um, significantly, especially when it came down to marketing. So we were able to really utilize and capture all this stuff to make it one big thing that we're working on right now. I, I totally appreciate you, you went through oh so many things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all, all of these are awesome use cases in the secret ecosystem. Just, just so people, are, good time to reset because we're about to move into the cross-chain question. So resetting the space, we got people here from every cross-chain NFT ecosystem, Secret Solana, Terra, Near, et cetera. I think a good way to kind of summarize what was just said is there's a ton of stuff that we try to do on the technical level to expand the design space for NFTs. And the main ways that Secret does that is with native privacy and native access control. So only owners can have access to some of the metadata. You can have protected or private fields, or you can have privacy for owners of the NFTs. So you can move them between wallets before choosing to display them publicly. Or uh, like in that auction use case, if you want to have an auction and you can see the remaining ETH balance in the, in the wallet that you're bidding against, that, that's not information that should be public on chain. In fact, most information shouldn't be public on chain. On secret, users really do have the choice over what information they're displaying on chain or not, but it's all still provable, right? There's still that level of accountability. Uh, so that makes it really cool.
but it mixly makes it cool, I think, for cross-chain collaboration use cases. Other other chains are all public by default, but as we've just discussed with our guests, they all have really unique features to their ecosystem. So throwing the floor open to either our guests from Terra or Solana or from Near, what what do you think you've seen be the most successful examples to date, either from your ecosystem or outside of it, of cross-chain collaboration? You know, if there's nothing that says like, obviously none of us are here thinking there's only one chain that can represent ownership, right? There's people out there who are maximalists who will say an NFT is not an NFT if it's not on ETH. But I, I think that's now rapidly becoming the minority of NFT collectors. They're, they're thinking very openly about the space. So if that's our assumption, what, what are some great examples of where we've already seen successful cross-chain collaboration? So I would like to say the best example I've seen is the Galactic Punks, and I'll let them explain exactly how they got to where they got. But after doing the spaces with them and really getting to know them better and realizing that we share a real passion for cross-chain work, um, we woke up one morning to find a delegated stake to our validator from the Punks, which was very generous and a real incredible gesture of kind of the power of cross-chain work. So we're similarly in the process of putting a puzzle for DAO to do the same. and. It seems trivial and PM or one of the punks can speak uh, more technically if the crowd wants to know or needs to know exactly what a validator is or why that's important. But it's a lot of work to set one up and it means a lot when people stake with you. So to us, that was a pretty incredible gesture of cross-chain. Well, thank you very much. Um, Well, I will maybe just expand a little bit on that. So in general, um, as I alluded before, for us, the biggest value that an NFT community can deliver is just thinking beyond just the NFT, which I personally see almost as a ticket to the community, a bit closer than the general layer one that you choose as your home. Now, one of the main faults that we had at Galactic Punks has always been how to deliver value to the entire ecosystem and naturally securing your very chain is the most straightforward way to provide security and provide support to the very infrastructure that you're using as a project, you're using as a community. Um, And this was indeed not something that we as a team have fought. The core team has never even discussed the validator in our roadmap. This was something that came entirely out of the DAO, which is still in its V1 because truly decentralized on-chain DAO infrastructure does not yet exist on Terra. And, you know, the joy of being early is big, but it's also sometimes very frustrating when you need something to build it yourself. And we are, in fact, diverting part of the DAO funds to building on-chain infrastructure, on-chain voting, etc. Um, however, coming back to my initial point, um, we have indeed set up our own Terra validator. And Terra has 130 validators. Um, responsible for uh, for validating transactions and securing the network. Um, there are more validators, but you have to move uh, into the top 130 to become active. And before becoming active, you are not indeed earning any rewards yet. So we went active within 24 hours, I think even below that, which was an incredible heart-moving display of, of um, incredible trust from the community. And we are since, um, we're not yet that high after two months, barely. However, we are in the top 30 validators when it comes to uh, to individuals taking wallet addresses, which shows that just an incredible wealth of people uh, stakes there. Maybe smaller amounts with us, but nevertheless, 
you know, um, strength in numbers. And um, as soon as we started discussions cross-chain with MonkeyDAO, and that was so incredibly inspiring, we, we immediately knew that a project which just as us is committed to delivering value to their entire ecosystem is something that we want to, uh, you know, support in our, in our little ways. So, um, so the staking is imminent. Uh, and this is a very, very pretty sum as well, uh, a round and beautiful 69.420 sold. Um, so yeah, the, the deep recently has provided us with a beautiful buying in opportunity as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was incredible. And it was one of the very fast, but certainly not the last signs of support that we want to extend. Um, but you know like when we were if we were to discuss this very very critically one could ask and these discussions of course were had in the DAO because this was a joint decision of all holders uh, some people were skeptical when it comes to basically you know the the yield <laughs> that we are getting from it on, or the worth of this investition but at the end of the day a rising tide rises all ships and this is what we want to pursue and what the absolute overwhelming majority of people want to pursue um and you know um we are all in this game together and even if we don't yet have uh you know maybe like huge partnerships like dual mints or or joint mints uh within our projects we can grow together next to each other, supporting each other's small ventures at the very beginning, because let's not forget, that's just how early we are. Yeah, Amazing. and I'll add quickly, it's pretty too, just to have people going through the same thing as you, but in a slightly different environment. You know, as she said, we're very, very early still. We're all learning as we go. A lot of these tool sets, we're similarly having to build out ourselves. We just moved to on-chain governance, and that was largely through collaborative work through our board members and teams at Solana Labs with tools they had but weren't really being utilized. So it's always really fantastic to be able to have resources and people like the punks to be able to talk to to say, you know, here's what we're struggling with. How did you guys deal with that? Or have you guys run into this? Or how does it work on your chain? So, you know, as far as the benefits of cross-chain collaboration, it doesn't even always have to be material like that. Sometimes just the thought sharing is valuable. Naturally, and the you know the value of the of the learning that you've made along the along the um, well stations that you've made as a project because you guys are months ahead of us still, um, it's just varying degrees of early for all of us. However, this is a gift that keeps on giving. So you've obviously went through it, and why just disregard and and discard all these lessons instead of giving them further, paying forward in a way, and we on the other hand will then keep on helping other projects that's just how we know how we all grow faster and in a more efficient manner i think so, that's awesome no go ahead so man. yeah so much of uh innovation comes from helping those in your community and you know innovation is filling a need that exists and filling that need sometimes is a result of helping those around you and i think that the projects that really put that at the forefront of community first are the ones that end up innovating the most. So, you know, even the validator example for the monkey DAO, you know, we were the first DAO on Solana to put together and operate a validator. And we realized it was a pretty tricky process. And the the issue of getting to break even on the validator 
was difficult for a lot of smaller DAOs. So the want to help other DAOs achieve this and get to that point led to further innovation of creating a staking pool, which is effectively a pool that everybody can put Solana into. And then we can stake that with a clear mission of only staking and supporting DAOs to run a validator and help secure the network. And you know, hats off to Galactic Punks putting a proposal together to move money over cross-chain to stake on our, our validator. And we have a proposal that I think Wilbrow could speak to. I believe it's past the proposal stage and now it will go to the main governance team to look over and then it'll go to a DAO-wide vote. And I'm sure that will pass and we'll move money over to the Terra network and stake on their validator. So it's really cool to see community create innovation. That's wicked cool. James, go. Yeah, I want to build on that because Galactic Punks is a really great example. And I think we could go even further and look at crypto punks in general as an example, because we have this brand or you know, a certain identity shared across chains and used for all kinds of communities. Uh, you know, the alt punks or alternative punks everywhere. Uh, all the chains have punks, you know, it, it's kind of like this movement. And I feel like that's a really powerful example. And I'm really excited about Aurora, which is our Ethereum contract running on near. So it's like an EVM as a contract running on the near network. And that enables any Solidity contracts to be easily ported over. So we're going to see a lot more integrations with Ethereum NFT applications and services. Um, we also have new platforms being launched on Aurora, namely Endemic NFTs, and then Chronicle is more of like a collectible NFT platform. And then uh, I, I love to think about the possibilities for you know sending uh, CryptoPunk uh, across the the bridge to another chain and kind of seeing where they end up. You know, like where do people want to hold their punks or their past the punk prize possessions you know these these tokens of extreme importance like they're they're very meaningful to each holder each individual owner Uh, so i think uh, a lot of that will depend on stuff like privacy as a differentiation you know and and kind of like what you can do with your your punk um on on various chains um so it's not it's not just about the ownership um, but more about utility, as the monkeys were, were saying earlier. Uh, so I think that's that's uh, where my mind goes. I'm just thinking about kind of like how do NFT communities become multi-chain NFT communities, and what that mean for sub communities or you know these kind of um, dynamics between all of the different blockchains. Great transition to to the point I was going to make, because absolutely. Now, now let's think about like at this technical level for a second. Cross-chain bridges are hard. I know Nier thinks a lot about it. In the Cosmos universe, obviously, we think a lot about it. We, we as a chain, recently integrated IBC, as did Terra. Uh, IBC does not yet support every kind of asset transfer, every kind of cross-chain contract call, but that's the vision of interoperability we're going to. The vision for secret in that multi-chain future is a little is a little bit better defined, I would think, than in some other ecosystems. As James said, there's this tremendous need for privacy. We do think of Secret as an amazing issuance or settlement layer for these very rare assets that could exist multi-chain. 
there's a reason why you'd want to issue a scarce and valuable asset directly on a platform like Secret, where you have the highest privacy guarantees, where you have the ability to have this flexible, uh, programmable, private or protected metadata. And then if you need to utilize these NFTs in other ecosystems, like on Solana, on Near, on Terra, on any Cosmos chain, you would utilize bridges to get these assets into other ecosystems. Now you're gonna lose some of the privacy properties, but the idea is that you can always return home. You can always return back to that private by default settlement layer for your NFTs. But I definitely don't see any version of the future where we don't have these bridges, where NFTs don't exist cross chain. And I would definitely argue, as I think we're already arguing here, because communities exist cross chain, because as people, as individuals, we can collaborate and contribute to multiple different projects across multiple different ecosystems, there's no reason why our assets shouldn't be able to follow us from ecosystem to ecosystem. That would be that would actually be a negative experience for online digital identity if we didn't have that flexibility. So the the question that I'll throw to the group here on stage before I solicit some questions from the audience is from a technical level, see like what does this multi-chain NFT future potentially look like? Do we think actually people are going to move their NFTs across chains a lot? Are they going to pick one place to call home? Like what are some of the things we should be thinking about when we try to think through the technical side of this issue? Well, I think it depends on the bridge and you know the infrastructure provided. So like with the near we have the rainbow bridge protocol, which is kind of like the inter-blockchain communication protocol for Cosmos, IBC. And I think that you won't see many transactions across chains, but they will be very intentional. So if you're moving something across a bridge, um, you know, it's it's for a, a real, you know, important purpose. There's there's a reason why you're doing that. I don't think people are going to be moving things back and forth. And when you have a trustless bridge infrastructure, you can do cool stuff like reference data and other networks and use it in your systems. Uh, for example, you might have a DAO running on near that references token holdings on Ethereum. Like maybe it's checking to see which ETH addresses hold CryptoPunks. And you can use that data in your contracts running on near. Like the DAO could say, all right, well, you can vote because you have a CryptoPunk on Ethereum. And I think that's where it's going, but you need the infrastructure to do so. And I think IBC achieves that similar goal. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that space is evolving um, and, and how it's connecting, you know, Cosmos and Near and, and other blockchains with their own approaches to interoperability. So looking forward to, you know, answering those questions, but of course, I uh, don't know the answers. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be a, a process. Yeah, trust the I, process. I largely agree with that. I think it's like he said, just a future that we can't quite fathom quite yet. And I think the forces at play have a lot of influence on one another. So I have a pretty ambitious view of the future of NFTs to where I'd like to see a lot of physical ownership have NFT representation. It gets discussed often, but things like uh, home titles and things that represent, you know, material assets can be well suited for nfts as well so then to me it becomes a question of you know how do the unique chains develop alongside one another 
Do they have specific use cases? Do they, are they more product focused? You know, as much as probably the majority of this audience, including myself, doesn't enjoy it, there are more closed private blockchain solutions that, you know, private companies could look towards uh, providing. So I think how things move across the chains is probably the next big step in this technology as we realize that we want more of our physical ownership to be represented on chain and different chains are probably going to fall into different distinct use cases that those assets may need to you know have interoperability across really awesome observations go ahead Nick. i just want to build on that and and say you know i i think uh we get asked all the time by creators like why should i mint on near you know versus ethereum which is where all the market activity really is today and i think Solana has done a great job rivaling that, you know, building really strong communities and we're hoping to do the same. But it's a tough question because uh, you can't just say it's a matter of supply and demand. Um, there has to be like a, a better answer uh, to the question. And it's kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, of, you know, like how do you uh, differentiate as an ecosystem? But part of that is an exercise in futility because really it's one big ecosystem overall that we're building together. So uh, the more you try to differentiate, the less likely you're going to succeed in a weird way. Um, and and that's, that's kind of cool, but it's also counterintuitive maybe, or, you know, it's, it's a little bit challenging at some times, especially when you, you want somebody to learn about near, you want them to understand why they should mint on near, but, you have to, you have to kind of, you know, take a step back and and really just try to help them and as a person and, uh, you know, as as a friend, you know, you just need to be supportive and and I think that's what most you know most of what I've heard today has been echoing that for sure. Yeah, maybe I could add to this from a slightly different perspective, as in, so I'm not a technical person. I'm by trade an art uh, historian and paintings conservator. So coming from completely different direction at all of this, you know, I think this, the cross, a lot of how cross chain will look like, how the volume, how, how uh, selling and traits of, of various collections will look across different chains will be determined, as you've already said, by what tech will become available and by how by how secure it is perceived to be, because this will determine what types of assets people are willing to bridge, of course. But I think the profile picture community trend to me in particular reflects the fact how early we are and the underlying wish to belong. You know, people are pack animals and getting into learning and surviving in crypto can be a very lonely endeavor. So we look for like-minded people and what was once done in private chats and paid groups can now be intensified. Your NFT can be your flag to be displayed proudly and find your tribe a bit quicker. And I think just as different blockchains choose to optimize for different things and will always diversify in that direction. Um, some of these communities will always fulfill different, <clears throat> check different boxes for different people and fulfill their various preferences. So I think in a way, um, the, the cross-chain does not have to mean that we will all become inclusive immediately. And I don't think that that, that part is the most important. It's obviously giving people the choice, but I think the cross-chain really, really begins at this base layer of 
how we see this and begins with conversation like this one today with basically how we perceive this to help all of us um, grow a bit quicker. Just, you know, from, from, from my perspective as a completely non-technical person. I, I also that- think there's a possibility of a future where to your average user, cross-chain is something they don't even notice, right? I mean, wallet technology is still pretty nascent. Phantom is doing fantastic, but that's the wallet we have natively on Solana that's most popular, but they're just getting a mobile app. You know, I could see potentially a situation down the line where to your average user using a wallet interface, there's a lot of cross-chain interoperability that's occurring under the hood that they're completely unaware of because from them, they're just sending an item from A to B. Yeah. Cross-chain wallets are a massive feature of the Cosmos universe. Like Kepler is the primary wallet in the secret ecosystem, and it supports like 20 other layer ones. Uh, and they do it really well, but oh my God, like that to, to people coming from these uh, these very, I mean, maybe now with the proliferation of EVM chains and people being able to plug in these custom endpoints into their wallets, these are still power user things. So either this is all going to be abstracted away from the user or people are going to just be aware that these applications live in different places. But it, the one thing I think we would all universally acknowledge is that we're clearly, obviously, extremely early. Everybody listening to this is a bleeding edge early adopter. Super exciting, super terrifying. The space, especially for NFTs, moves a mile a minute. A lot of these NFT ecosystems didn't even exist half a year ago, and now they're doing millions in volume. Some ecosystems doing billions in volume. There's clearly demand for some kind of more user-centric digital ownership, and NFTs are representing a huge piece of the equation through identity and through art and through games and metaverses. It's super, super exciting. And the one thing I would ask that none of us do is try to make a linear prediction. Look at where things are today and think we're going to be 20% closer to somewhere else tomorrow. Things are going to look insanely different in another three months. Chains you've never heard of are going to be popular more than anything. Like the most expensive NFTs in the world haven't even been issued. It's kind of insane to think. Um, But we're trying to do our part. We'd love to onboard the whole world and we'd love to interoperate with every other chain in the universe. So I think these have been awesome insights. Since we're coming up to the top of the hour pretty closely, I can go a little over. I want to be respectful of our guests' time. Anybody who has a question for the panel or who want to make an observation about cross-chain NFTs, I would ask that you keep it pretty short so that we can get more people up. Uh, but please put your hand up now. I'll try to elevate everybody to the stage so you can ask your question or make your point. Let's try to get through as many people as we can. So let's please be respectful of time as we do this. I'm going to start and bring up Monish and then Jade. I hope I said your name correctly, but I'm going to bring you up on stage and see if you're still here. Okay, Monish, you're up on stage if you want to say something. And if not, I'll bring up Jade. Okay, I'm bringing up Jade as well. Hi, Jade. Hey. Oh, is it my turn? Did to, you have a... My turn to go? Sorry. It is, yeah, because <laughs> go for it. Yeah, so I've been listening for a bit, and this has been a really cool conversation about um, like having some sort of privacy on the blockchain. And I love the fact that... Uh, DAOs are working together. So shout out to that because partnerships aren't easy, but when they work, they're amazing. Um, My question uh, is not really related to NFTs, um, but more so of other use cases um, that could happen using this this, uh, software, this blockchain. And just wanted to know if there were any other use cases outside of like the NFT space that um, we've discovered already. Are you are you talking about blockchain technology in general or or secret specifically? I'm sorry for secret because I know that some blockchain oh yeah, yeah some blockchains um like mental health 
uh, companies are using it to keep uh, health records. And I was wondering if uh, Secret had any of those type of use cases or anything like that. That's really interesting. It, it actually might apply more to NFTs than you think. Uh, that's definitely something. So there's there's access control use cases for for Secret that are probably we're better positioned than any other L1 to tackle because the entire blockchain is encrypted by default. So rather than putting your own mental health record on a public blockchain and then having any user be able to access that record, you can imagine that you could represent it in NFT form in some sort of private metadata field of that NFT. And now you can access it and your doctor can access it, but nobody else has access to that data, but it's still living entirely on the blockchain. So you have this immutable proof and record of this history. I'm not recommending that we immediately jump to these kinds of use cases, more so because I think the medical industry has a long way to go before they're going to universally embrace this kind of bleeding edge technology. But I would say that the pillars for us for privacy with blockchain, NFTs is not just art. It, it does include those types of expansive use cases like healthcare and like ownership of, of real world physical assets like real estate. The, the possibilities are pretty much endless. And we've seen these applications built across decentralized finance uh, and gaming metaverse applications and access control applications, like I said. Uh, so definitely look more into it um, if you're curious. But we're, I, I think we're only just scratching the surface to be sure. Awesome. I have a lot of like very technical <laughs> nerdy questions at Discord. It's probably the best place for this. Totally. Uh, okay. Chat.scrt.network for anybody listening. If you're curious about the stuff, jump in the secret Discord. We have a massive community of secret agents who love digging into this stuff and these use cases. Uh, I'm going to just keep going through our requests. We actually have a bunch of hands up now, but thank you for your question, Jade. So I'm bringing up soon username Wen Moon, and then I've got a list of other people up here following you. Go ahead. Hello? Am I on? Hey, um, so I'm a film producer in LA, and I want to keep this short and sweet, but um, so I am about three to four months out from uh, wrapping up my first project. It's a 30-minute TV pilot, and so we've been um, taking meetings, and we're trying to figure out what, um, for example, Dan Harmon's doing. So Dan Harmon is working with Fox and it's a proprietary um, blockchain TV show. It's the first animated TV show. And so we've been taking meetings. We're, we're, we're kind of going through the rounds. And you guys are kind of on the opposite end of what the studios are doing. And so the studios are trying to install kill switches, right? And they're not cross-chain. And so for someone like me that's an NFT collector that's... Um, been in the space for a few years. That's also a filmmaker and artist. Um, it, it's kind of scary. And, you know, when you think about it, do you really own it? If some company can figure out a way to, in their, in their terms, um, hit delete or freeze an asset. And, um, you know, at first I was kind of listening to the conversation. Um, hopefully I'm still on. Um, I was listening to the conversation and you I are. kept hearing you guys asking, is there a need? I'm telling you, I wouldn't feel comfortable releasing something. I put this much money, three and a half years of time and effort um, and possible litigation with my actors and actresses if it was stuck on um, maybe one chain, right? And so for me, like I'm hearing this going, oh shit, like this is a solution for someone like me, right? I have a 26 minute um, TV pilot. 
And I don't want it to be stuck from gas fees. I don't want it to get stuck in a protocol. I want it to, you know, move freely, um, like the art and like it should be. Is there anyone um, that I could kind of talk to or, you know, uh, sliding into DMs is one thing, but and going into discords and I think nightmare. Um, but I don't know if there's anyone listening, <laughs> you know, I could use a lot of advice because I'm listening. I'm, I, I'm listening. Yeah. And I, I want to give you some advice, which is, you know, obviously keep fighting this. So to give some context, secret. Uh, Secret Network and, and Secret Labs, the core development team, announced uh, a couple of months ago we're working with Quentin Tarantino mm. on the release of mm. his own NFTs. And those are leveraging a public blockchain, but private metadata. So you can, as a creator, you're protecting this super sensitive content you're pouring years of yourself mm. into. But at the same time, you're, you're not locking yourself into a non-composable kind of ecosystem. And it is already actually something that's bridged to Ethereum. So you can bid on the NFT using your ETH but you'll own it on secret. Mm. So we're already talking about an interoperable universe. And what did the studios do? The first reaction to the studio, which is ongoing, is Miramax is suing to try to shut down the sale, claiming they have the rights over the work. And the work yeah. is the script, yeah. the handwritten script that they haven't even ever seen, that no one has seen. So if that's if that's kind of like the mission that we're all that you're on, like understand there, there's people building in the space. We're on that mission together. That sales going forward, like we're not going to be stopped. Yeah. It, we're hoping to set a precedent in the space with the sale to show that. And do you guys have you actually like, can't fuck with that? I mean, do you guys have an agency that that's repping you to help you with this IP and and licensing and branding? I mean, studios licensing and branding departments is where a lot of good ideas oh, yeah. die, and it's it's always been that case. Um, I've worked on a few feature films. I've got a few directors that are very interested. Some of them are listening to this conversation. Um, and so <laughs> send me a DM. Is that okay? I mean, I, I don't want to be that person, yeah. but it'd be very helpful. And I'm going to step off stage. I'm sure other people have good questions as well, but um, no, I want to help. I want to help. You're touching a nerve here for me. I'm a, I'm a creator too. So send, send a DM to this account. Okay. that's talking. I'll follow cool. up with you. Let's see what we can do. Cause we're already in this fight. And if you want to, if you want to join the fight on the other end, or if you have ideas on how we can keep this cross chain vision alive, but still be working with the creators to help protect their own IP. Like that's that's exactly what we're trying to do right now. Awesome. And it's, it's a fight that if we don't if we don't have more aware of it awareness of it now, we're going to wake up in six months. A bunch of this language is going to slip into new contracts with creators, and they don't realize they've signed away ten years of their future for the NFTs they could have created and monetized directly with an yeah. audience. They're going to wake up and realize, fuck, I don't own any of this stuff I made. Yeah. We're, we're trying to prevent that at all costs. The kill switch is going to be something that I hope you guys fight against. And it, it's it's the polar yep. opposite of what I've heard in this conversation. Um, cool. But thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Cool. Thanks this is such that. an important piece also, because when you think about what NFTs are creating, they're, they are in the process right now of creating some of what will be the biggest IP ownership in the world. You know, just look at Board Ape Yacht Club. We, we're potentially witnessing different communities come together and form the next Disney. So how we move cross chain, how we assign IP ownership, how we move forward in creating those ecosystems is super important. Yeah, no, I agree. Th thanks guys. I appreciate it. I'm going to let you guys go and get on to the next guy, girl. No, I appreciate you bringing that to everybody's attention. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. I'm going to keep going through the people who stuck their hands up in the order in which I noticed them. I'm sorry if it's the wrong order. Let's let's go for another 15 if we can. If any of our guests have to drop, feel free to say a goodbye uh, just so we don't like lose you randomly. Um, but if you can stay, I'm sure if you've got answers to these questions that are coming up, they'll be really appreciated. I'm going to bring up Roxana now. Just really quick uh, while she's getting up here, I just wanted to question that. 
idea of IP ownership as a token. I don't know if that's clear yet, but I would love to see more active discussions around it. That's an interesting point as well. Roxana, you're up on stage. Can you speak? Hey, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Hi. I can speak. Hope you can hear me well. Um, just on the, the topic of, of privacy around NFTs, um, as a privacy advocate, I, I do believe it's necessary be just because of the potential DDoS attacks. Essentially, when you're extracting, for example, if you go on Solana, you extract the, the top um, NFTs and the top wallets owning these NFTs, then you can potentially target a DDoS attack on them. And it's, it's quite brutal. Like you can even send NFT porn if you want to. Um, so then that's why a reason why we need privacy, um, just on the point of the discussion. Now, my question is, um, so I built a system with NFTs as access cards, since NFTs live in a wallet, I uh, connect that wallet to a platform, you want to loyalize your community. And switching from different, um, you know, from one chain to another, in this case, from ETH to Binance Smart Chain, for example, I noticed that there's a huge data loss point there. Um, either it is with bridging or it's essentially just um, extracting the data from one chain and then matching it with the data from the secondary chain and, and understanding if someone becomes eligible for that NFT. Yeah. So I would like to know if there's a solution towards the data loss because it's a huge pain point and it ended up um, with a bad user experience. And then it also forced us as a business to downsize the uh, the NFTs we're offering, the loyalty levels, um, and obviously on the product side as well. So I'm not entirely sure I'm understanding your question correctly, but I will, and, and please add on after I say this briefly if I'm on the wrong track, but I will say that one of the focuses, for example, of the committee on our board right now for this next Epic or quarter is trying to build out some NFT standards. Um, of course, for us, it'll probably be focused on Solana to begin with, but ideally all of these things become cross-chain inspiration. So I think if there was more standardization of certain metadata presentation, you might find the transfer across smart chains through wormholes easier. Um, does that, am I kind of on the right track with that? I can expand on it if so. Yeah, essentially what happens is um, if you need to move chains because of certain issues, let's say the network is down or then the gas fees are too high, yeah? You need this migration. Um, but the data you're using in order to uh, set up certain eligibility metrics for your community is particular to one chain. And then you'd have to extract from the secondary chain and that's when the data loss happens um, because it's not an automated process. It, it can't be automated, unfortunately. So it has to be done manually. So I'm looking at ways, and this is maybe an idea for, for the builders in this space, to um, look at data loss and how this happens from one blockchain to another, either bridging or just switching to a network. And as you said, create uh, maybe a standardized method that allows automation. because with smart contracts, that is the key, right? We want to automate, make them interoperable, make them composable, and, and just ensure that we, we kill the, the um, manual work behind it. Yeah, I think, uh, I want to apologize. Thank you, everyone.
so much for the opportunity to speak. Unfortunately, I do have to go now. So I just wanted to say thank you, everyone. This was such a pleasure. Um, I'm sure Primitive can answer any questions that you guys have on behalf of Monkey Dow, And I hope to have an opportunity like this again soon. Uh, and thank you for that question. I think it's great. I look, I'm going to continue listening. So I look forward to hearing the answers. Yeah, I was just going to say it's definitely possible. And I was mentioning a different use case earlier for the Rainbow Bridge protocol, which is what NIR uses to interoperate with Ethereum and other blockchains. You can actually reference data in contracts running on Ethereum and use that in your contracts on NIR. So you might not even need to migrate. Um, we also have Aurora, which uses MetaMask as its primary wallet. So any Ethereum wallet works on Aurora. And it's you know low fees, fast transactions, and you get all of the security of Near, which is an independent you know layer one blockchain. So that's definitely possible. You can you can uh, avoid that data loss. Near actually serves as a kind of data availability layer, so you can actually um, use our metadata standard and you know keep all of the data on chain on Near, um, sort of like using IPFS or Filecoin. Um, and, and that way, uh, you don't have to worry about losing any, any metadata, um, and, and we can rely on metadata standards for Ethereum in the context of Aurora. So I don't think it should be a problem, but it's definitely a, an interesting challenge. Cool. Thank you for the question. I'm going to see if we can't get a couple more people up here. Let's get Irvin up, who I believe is coming from the Solana ecosystem, but also from the Cosmos and also beyond. So I'm really curious. Welcome to the stage, Irvin. Hey, Tor, thank you for having me on. So, yeah, I just had like, I wanted to share two points. And you and I were discussing this over a call, I think, uh, a few days ago. But, you know, as a bit of a context, you know, I'm, I'm a co founder of Polka House, which is one of the largest communities on Polka Dakusama. And we actually had Tor on uh, some time ago to talk about interoperability. And I'm an also an advisor to Metaplex uh, Foundation, which is the, the protocol and the standard for NFTs on Solana. And I've been on the, um, also on the you know, Ethereum side doing a few different things and currently working in gaming. But, you know, the, the two points that I, that I wanted to make was that, you know, when you think about just cross-chain and NFTs in particular, the real focus has to be on the user experience, right? I think a lot of you, a few folks here talked about, well, you have to switch between networks and then you have to kind of like tailored to a particular blockchain. I think in reality, all of this should be abstracted away at the user uh, interface level, right? When we look at wallets, for example, the concept of switching between networks and, and Ethereum is just horrible, right? Uh, and, you know, Kepler Wallet, for example, on the Cosmos side does, does a great job of kind of trying to like make the user experience, but that's something that should be addressed first. Uh, and I think you guys should look into a lot of the wallets that are coming up trying to do cross-chain uh, in reality. And you know, the second point that I guess was brought up earlier really is that when you transition between different blockchains, uh, I think there's a particular use case for each. Like, I don't think that, you know, it's because you prefer one or you like the other one. I mean, for example, Secret, I was talking to you two about like uh, uh, zero sum and non zero sum games, right? Uh, and these could go on Secret Network and they're very, they're very perfect. Uh, and so that is one consideration, right? But when you transfer NFTs across different blockchains, there is a type of data loss. And it's because, you know, there's still that lack of communication between ecosystems in terms of what a standard is. And, you know, for you guys that are here, I don't know if it will be you or maybe, you know, Secret Network or the Cosmos people uh, uh, could take, you know, charge of this and try to establish these 
cross-chain standards for how we represent the data because that is a huge a huge problem like when you look at solana for example on the metaplex side um we started thinking early on about things like royalties right uh having multiple collectors listed on the uh, metadata of the nft and when you go to the ethereum side well that is not there right so what happens when you go and grab a solana nft and you go to ethereum now the list of creators is lost now the way that you assign royalties is lost right it's a different mechanism through a different contract and so yeah i'd say for you guys you know that are here i think that's definitely something that you guys should ask your communities to kind of you know come together and define cross-chain standards uh for that but also you know it's a demand honestly because you know when you look at people building, building products the community uh, essentially could demand the features that i like to see and so the user experience for being cross-chain needs to improve but those are just two things that i wanted to share with you guys uh, thank you for having me on stage so I definitely agree with more focus on you know cross chain interoperability, but I don't know if standards are the answer. Um, I think it's it's kind of like a red herring almost. In what sense? Um, but like uh, because really, when you transfer across chains, you're going to be using a different network, and it's going to have its own standard. No, nah, it's all about taxonomy. So, I mean, you have to look at what currently happens, for example, in IoT. Like, in the Cosmos side, I did a lot of research for IoT and, and data transfers. And there's a basic taxonomy for how IoT devices will be interacting with each other across the world. Now, what we currently see is that there's different companies like Samsung or Philips that want to define their own way, particular to how their products interact, right? But then you see other big companies coming in and saying, hold on. You know, all of these devices are supposed to be ubiquitous across the world, need to have a sort of common language. And so at least, you know, like from objective, you know, research perspective that, you know, a standard and the way that things communicate will make sense. Now, whether you might say that, you know, secret networks definitely has different features. Well, yeah, secret networks has different features and better features than other blockchains for particular use cases. But at a taxonomy level, right, these features are added on onto the way that we represent the data. So just wanted to make that point a bit clear. Yeah, but... So what exactly would you be standardizing it? You know, is it? It could be the, the process, the representation of data, for example, like when you look at, you know, creators, like, you know, I would say objectively, you know, like, and you guys could judge me because, you know, I've been in the space for like since 2012 and I had a Bitcoin startup was that when you look at Ethereum NFTs, it wasn't thinking about the creators, like creating a piece of work, just in particular for NFTs and artwork, like people can collaborate. Like it's a collaborative process, but can you actually really add multiple creators to an NFT? And you can't, right? It wasn't really thought out. And so this could be the, something that could be changed, right? Perhaps the ERC-721 could be updated to include that. And then other kind of NFT standards could also consider this, right? When you think about things like royalties, well, not every single NFT that is out there needs to have royalties, right? But NFTs that are connected to our work perhaps should. And that's something that other kind of, you know, ecosystems should consider. And so things like that, when we talk about taxonomies, think about a way of creating a tree. There should be a fundamental kind of nucleus, which then could be expanded upon. Like I mentioned, the secret network aspect. I mean, secret network has like more features than other blockchains. And, you know, hence has additional uh, metadata that could be including into it. Uh, and so that is like what I mean by a taxonomy and a standardization. Not to say that, you know, like everybody does what they want. And, you know, we have to follow kind of like a gala, but more like a taxonomy for how we represent like the metadata itself. Yeah, when it comes to metadata, it's maybe more interesting to talk about like getting metadata on chain um, as a standard approach. Um, but, you know, like the way it's represented is just going to be different across chains. The 
the like mapping of like whatever you have on chain uh, on side A matching with you know what's on side B is is definitely uh, a process uh, that could be standardized. But the standards on either side, you know, I, I think we need less standards maybe. Um, but just like adding another standard across chains would would be that you know typical problem where you you have 12 standards and you're like oh why do we have so many standards and then you end up with 13 standards you know um so i think that's Maybe. really interesting but i i i think it's one of those things we're just scratching the surface and it's going to take you know rigorous experimentation with cross-chain nft community building and, and that kind of thing in order to see what happens i think I'm bad article, for a we should write it right together exciting yeah, we should write an article. I think like this conversation gets pretty close to uh, almost best practices as well. I feel like we're almost like conflating to a certain extent. Like we're getting very hung up on the idea of specific uh, standards, whereas in it's more a concept of best practices and building out with like a future forward vision. So I love it. I think it's great. Just to let you guys know, we're only going to be running this space for probably uh, another five, maybe ten minutes or so. A lot of our guests have to wrap up, but there's a couple hands that are still up out there. In fact, a lot of hands that are still up there. So let's try to blitz through at least a couple more speakers. If you're not speaking this week, I really do apologize. You will get a chance to talk on future secret spaces. We do do these every Tuesday with different guests, different topics next week. Uh, I think we'll be concentrating a little bit more on the secret ecosystem, but we'll have some very special guests from within the secret ecosystem. Uh, so right now, let's see if we can keep our questions about cross-chain NFTs, today's topic specifically, since that's what we have time for. I'm going to bring up AWSM. I think they've had their hand up for quite a little bit here. So let me add you as a speaker. Welcome to the stage, AWSM, if you're still around. I see you unmuted, but I can't hear anything. I'm sorry. Was that the same for everybody else as well? I still can't hear. Yep, same. Try disconnecting and coming back. If, if, you, if you disconnect, come back on mobile and, and request again. I'll bring you back up here, but we can't hear you at the moment. Sorry, we're trying. I'm gonna. In the meantime, I'm gonna bring up Sleazy. All right, go ahead, Sleazy. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me up. Um, I was loving the conversation about cross chain. I definitely think that that's going to be the future of so uh, of all um things that are happening on the blockchain. I was actually curious. Um, for I had a question for Secret and what Secret is working on. I know you guys touched on, you know providing you know privacy and uh, a layer of safety for a lot of these um, projects and specifically I, I know you mentioned Quentin Tarantino I guess I'm curious like how you kind of see um, the onboarding of artists who maybe historically they were in a legacy system and they're kind of getting wrapped up with all of like the legality when it comes to obtaining the rights to their work and I, I guess I'm just curious kind of like how that's working out and whether or not um, or, or just like how you're approaching protecting people like these really creative artists like Quentin Tarantino to be able to create on the blockchain and helping them on board as well. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's really hard to, the word I would use is liberate creators and IP that are already in existing complex relationships with, with uh, these mass media conglomerates. It's a lot easier to work with independent creators who have these kinds of visions for themselves and their audiences and to, and to work from scratch. But this isn't about building an entire parallel universe in Web3. It is about building those bridges, not only between chains, but between the Web3 world and that Web2 world. And when I say Web2, I guess I'm just using that as shorthand for historical legacy systems. 
which are working to some extent. We still Movies still come out, people still get paid, but they're not working in the sense that they're really rewarding at the end of the day, the, the people who are putting their sweat and their blood into it. You, you could say that the very, very, very most famous artists in the world are still benefiting from this system. But for that long tail of creators, NFTs, I think the reason they're getting such an embrace is because they do have the promise to support a long tail of creators. Now, we can't fight the battle for every single creator independently, right? And like, and, and say that it's, it's going to be the one organization fighting this battle. It does have to be a cross Web3 movement. Every chain has to kind of commit resources to fighting these battles on behalf of creators. And as much as we're seeing this legislation being proposed for DeFi projects, maybe we do need to see some better legal guidance for creators in the Web3 space who do want to operate independently. And maybe we do need some precedent setting cases like this Tarantino lawsuit to point the way for creators who do want to make this path for themselves. The best thing that we can do at the very least is education for active creators right now to help them understand if they're signing away rights in some kind of contract that they're getting into now with a studio. Trust me, every studio now knows the value of NFTs. They're seeing companies raising at you know insanely high valuations to serve just this NFT market. They understand the monetary opportunity and they understand money for sure. So they're not ignoring NFTs. But artists who are rejecting NFTs kind of outright, like the, the biggest worry that I have is they're going to look at NFTs and this space and all their friends being like, NFTs burn the rainforest and their scams and this, this, this. There's kind of an incentive for the studios themselves to perpetuate that narrative and then slip all that language in with the artist. Well, you're not going to want these NFT rights. Obviously, NFTs are scams. So we're just going to hold on to those rights for you. And then they're going to wake up in five years when NFTs are the future of digital commerce and artistic creation online, and they're going to realize they have none of those rights. So we need to fight now, at least on the education side with creators, so they understand before they sign those rights away for the new things that they're creating, these are, these are rights that you want to be holding onto as a creator. And we need to build better systems that will allow creators to opt out of these legacy systems entirely and still reach audiences and still self-monetize. I believe we're as close as we've ever been to achieving that target, uh, but it's going to be messy. There's no way so, around that. I love that. Is it is it okay if I I just want to say something quickly? So, a little about my background, actually. So, I worked in the music industry for over five years, actually, and I I did a lot of stuff regarding royalties. So, I I always knew about some of these artists and what their contract actually like entitled them to, like on how much percentage they get, like. NFTs really do unlock a lot of value for artists, especially when it comes down to like music, right? So when we talk about music, a lot of these artists you hear, they actually get bullied really badly, right? So when they first sign their contract, they're given this cash up front, but they sign away all their rights, their royalty deals, their mechanical, their publishing, all this just gets washed away completely. And I feel like it's something that a lot of people don't actually know what's going on. Like for example, all those streams on Spotify you see in all those numbers, right? It, it doesn't actually get split. Like if we talk about like the CPM model, cost per impression, like for every thousand views, a lot of this value is actually lost to like the studio that's signing it, like Universal Music or Sony Music. So when we like when we talk about the whole Tarantino case too, right? It's this idea that they, these companies, right? These big corps, they try to essentially own you. They tell you you can't unlock your data. So NFTs are really like pushing you know, they're really pushing the space for artists to start making more money in this in this field. So it was definitely interesting what we were talking about there. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, I think you brought up a, a great point, Seeker. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Um, I just, I just really enjoy like the the educational aspect of things. I, I think that there is um, just that that really big question about how we do, like you said, kind of bridge the gap between Web two and Web three and show these artists because I, I've actually like seen a lot of these artists and they've kind of have a very skewed perspective of what it's like to create an NFT project. And I think it has a lot to do because they do have teams around them that are kind of controlling them at the end of the day. And so although we may give somebody like a little Uzi Vert a lot of flack for how they went about, um, how he went about uh, releasing his NFT project, I think because there is like even an internal gate with, within the like how artists are being managed and how like they've been they've kind of been taken advantage of that we neglect to really see because i honestly would love to hold the same the same responsibility that we have for little uzi vert with the entire team of marketers publicists and all the people around him that were the ones that are really making the deals and then just telling him what to tweet at the end of the day so that that's that's something that is like i feel, i feel like oftentimes not not heard and and not understood to people that it's like you think you think Lil Uzi Vert is DMing like these people and you know getting all this stuff? It's really not. It's it's <laughs> nah. it's his manager who cut a back a, a backdoor deal that was like, yeah, I'll tell Uzi that he's gonna pick you um, if you give me an extra hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. You know, I mean, if people don't understand this is how the sausage is getting made, then they should. But to be honest, like I, I do. As, as much as we're talking about building those bridges to to existing artists who are already succeeding within the current systems, we do care with Web3 about building systems that work for people that the current system is not working for. That's the value that we can provide. Making rich people richer is already what blockchain has proven it's really good at doing. So let's see if we can do something different. Let's make it a little more interesting. Uh, we got to wrap up this space, guys. I invited AWSM back up here to see if we can hear him this time. Can you Can you try speaking? Uh, yes, I'm here. Excellent. So you can ask your question, but unfortunately, that's the last one that we're going to have time for. And then we do do these spaces weekly. If there's this much demand every week, screw it. We'll do it biweekly. This has been a lot of fun. We're semi-weekly, twice a week. Uh, but go ahead, ask your question. Okay. Hello, I'm, Mar- I'm Marlon. First of all, I would like to say thank you all so much at Secret Network. I'm working on a clothing NFT project, and we're currently building on Secret Network. We love everything y'all are doing from a topic of privacy, which is not discussed much to, to contribute to privacy awareness. We are trying to get people to use PGP for shipping, which would be optional, but there will be perks in using PGP within first couple of releases, such as token drops for people who include their secret address or Cosmo address in their message. In this case, new, new people would have to go out of their way to obtain a secret wallet to, uh, to participate or a Kepler wallet. On the topic of privacy, I have two questions. The first one is, what are the future plans of the secret network to promote privacy and inform the ordinary person? And my second question is, I'm printing a secret network logo on every shirt exclusively for the release. I was wondering if that would be okay with y'all. I just don't want to do this and, you know, have y'all look around like this. (laughs) (laughs) All good. Uh, To the second question, that's pretty easy. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, and we've had NFT collections ask for permission to also embed the SCRT, like the, the little S logo, inside your inside your NFT project. We've said yes to that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's an open world, right? So t- treat it as sort of like CC zero. Uh, to the first question, uh, I'll be brief, just because uh, I want to give our guests a chance to say goodbye as well. 
we're going to do a lot, I mean, on privacy education, but also we, we're very grateful that it's become a public movement, not just for a single blockchain network, but for, you know, the largest companies in the world. So every time Apple has a new ad that comes out with people walking around, you know, yelling their credit card numbers into the air, that's an ad for privacy. And an ad for privacy is an ad for what we're trying to do, which is solve the privacy problem for Web3, which is pervasive. It exists on every chain. Blockchains don't exist to solve privacy. They, they could exist to empower. They could exist to decentralize. Um, but they're very bad privacy technologies by their nature. That's, that's why Secret got built. It's the first layer one blockchain that has privacy for smart contracts by default. Um, so I really appreciate you guys choosing to build in our ecosystem. Our plan basically for the first half of this year is just to go nuts and grow super, super fast. A ton of L1s exploded in 2021. We grew a lot as well. Plan is to kind of take that from one to 100 this year. And that means working with creators and projects and communities. But ultimately, we want 100 projects building on Secret in H1. We'll have a lot more about this. I guess I'll leak some alpha since we've got two minutes left. There's a blog post coming tomorrow, so look out for it. More about our plans for this month and for the entire first half of this year coming. Uh, and I'll, I'll be sure to tweet it out from this account. So follow Secret Network if you're curious to learn more. Either way, I do see NFTs and uh, the metaverse side of Web3 being the massive lever for introducing privacy to users. Financial privacy, it, it's not very tangible for people. But not having privacy for the things you own in your own home or for your own art or for your own creations, people feel that. People feel that very deeply. And I think that's how we'll get people to start talking about privacy more in this NFT context is, is when they experience it for themselves and realize it was something that they really wanted and needed all along. Hope that answers uh, both questions. Um, yeah, I can also add something else. Um, we'll be uh, releasing a token within a, within a year or so. But for everybody in the space that's uh, currently here, our PGP key is on our website if y'all are willing to. Uh, follow the PGP instructions. Just send your Kepler uh, Cosmos address, and you will be added to a list, which will include everybody that will mint our project. And we will double up if you are in the list. What a cool use case! Thanks, yes. man, for the question. Glad we glad we got you up here so we could hear you. No problem. Um, so much, guys. Sorry to cut it off, but I know all of our guests have to leave as well. So let's say our goodbyes. Thank you so, so, so much to all of our guests from Solana, Terra, Near, Ecosystems, and beyond. Uh, if any of you want to say goodbyes, or obviously the best way to keep in touch with all these people is to follow them on Twitter. You should absolutely do that. But anywhere else that they want to go to keep in touch with the projects, uh, give a couple links here if people want to stay in touch or how else they can follow along. Uh, so I'll go ahead first. So if anybody's interested in learning more about MetaRats, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Our public mint is hopefully the end of this month if everything goes right. And uh, you can follow our Telegram and ask any questions in there. So that's everything for me. And Tor, thank you for having me on the space. Well, everybody, if you want to learn more about Galactic Punks and NFTs on Terra, which we um, affectionately call NFTerra, Go, you, can, you can go and jump into our Discord, which is linked on the official Galactic Punks Twitter. And thank you, everybody, for joining the conversation and all the amazing speakers today for being so open and helping all of us grow together. Um, yes, hello. Um, you can follow us on awesome.clothing and find every information there. We're hoping to mint um, next month or so. 
and the public release for the collection would be around summer. So expect that and the secret logo only for exclusive mints. Thank you. So really want to say thanks to Tor for making this happen. And thanks for all of you listening and, and uh, all the speakers, really interesting conversations. I'd love to continue discussing. And if you're interested to learn more about near best place to go is our website near.org. You can join our discord near.chat. And we have an NFT community uh, that's on Twitter and Telegram and Discord as well. And it's near NFT. Uh, if you go follow them on Twitter, you'll find all the info there. But thanks again. Thank you, guys. And the Solana guys, anywhere that they should go to keep track of the Solana ecosystems for the monkeys? Yeah, um, the Monkey Dow at Monkey Dow Twitter is probably the best place. Um, our Discord is... Uh, locked behind great verification and pfp ownership so that's private but the twitter should keep you up to date and i would just encourage everyone to look further into solana in general there's a lot of really exciting projects there's exciting tech and that's kind of the point of this call right like i know that i moved my first luna over after speaking with the punks everyone should just get that out there and adventure it's a it's a exciting future for all of us you guys are all on crypto twitter obviously because you're here but within all of these ecosystems, there's so many good people talking about great projects, talking about innovative ideas, all done on Twitter, just sharing their time, their understanding and knowledge. So, you know, jump on Monkey Dow, jump on, uh, you know, Punks, some of these other awesome projects, look at who they're following and just start clicking away and seeing who you can find. Yep. And one of these future spaces will, and one of our previous spaces too, we featured a lot of secret NFT projects and PFP ecosystems like the Anons, like Redacted Club, like Secret Punks, like Mystic Skulls. There's dozens and dozens of collections that have launched on Secret that have passionate communities. So show up to one of these spaces in the future, come meet them. Great way to get onboarded into our ecosystem as well. I think I'm echoing all our speakers here when I say just join a community and do something on one of these networks. You're going to learn a lot and it's going to mean a great avenue for interacting with all of these other communities, whether it's on a space like this or otherwise. Thank you again to all our speakers. Thank you again to all the people who asked questions. Thank you to the over 300. I think we had the over 300 at the peak. That means we had multiple hundreds more of people listening over the course of this conversation. So thanks to all of you. This should be recorded, so we'll post it somewhere uh, after the fact. But thank you all again. Have a wonderful Tuesday uh, or Wednesday if you're in Asia. And uh, we'll do this again next week, same time, 6 p.m. UTC every Tuesday. We do Secret Spaces. Thanks again to all our guests. You are truly wonderful. Can't wait. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Secret Spaces cross-chain NFT space, recorded on Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terran network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in Discord for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening.
I've been riding through town, looking like a buck fifty. Still got love for the humans that be fucking with me. Feeling like I gotta take advantage of the bricks that hit me. Three little piggies, you can miss me like Mississippi. A bunch of hippie dippies, hippie flipping. I like my acid trippy, switching into spiffy wolf clothing like your grandma's missing. Rolling up some critical, hitting these individuals. Keep the flow hysterical while I'm spitting these lyricals. I don't believe in God, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe we've earned the right to harvest these materials. Sleeping in the cut, killing all the cereal, cereal killers out hunting down the Cheerios. Me, I sit back, bumping lines through the stereo and try to rearrange all the lies they've been feeding y'all. All these imperials make me all delirious. Looking at the stars, gonna relocate to Sirius. Looking at the stars, gonna relocate to Sirius. For the next task, paying great When we used to go around the world in 80 days And the harvest was bountiful, making hay Trying to stick around and stake my claim I'm giving this ignorance a kick in the dickens It's like a bunch of hit or miss kids on the mission It's all ego and very little training Miracles and daisies pushed up daily Running out of patience, saving grace Always too hungry to save some face We like getting wasted late That's a twist of fate when your memory is missing date Tragedy strikes when you lose that debate Then you choose to relate to the views of your mate But the views of your mate are like the news on an eight And the news only exists to propagate hate So flip the channel off and kick the battle We're getting ripped off like a ticket raffle I'm sick of these assholes living like kings While the rest of these beings are sick examples We're living samples, getting studied Gifted animals, limping bloody Stepping around all the traps in the mud So the rats with the drugs can slip abruptly Living in shambles, these people are starving It's like we're being led by Marvin the Martian On how to regard human life than we saw Then remind them what it's like to have your carriage get robbed Stick them up Ten spaces